0: In today's show, it's a live mailbag. I'm here with Dan Besbrus, and we're going to answer your questions. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On
1: Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it.
0: Let's get to it, indeed.
1: You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're going to head straight into it because I am joined once again by the one and only Daniel Besbrus Jr. Daniel, welcome.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's good to be back.
0: It's good to have you back, mate. And we are here ready to talk uh, fantasy basketball, whatever questions people have for us. So we're going to go through these questions and we're going to, we're going to have a chat. So let's, uh, let's see. All right, Grant Barton, let's just start with Jabari Smith, who was really good yesterday what are Jabari Smith's chances to smash through the top 80 for the rest of the season?
1: Hmm. Smashing is a nice way to head through that top 80, isn't it? Mm. Um, I give it, uh, I give it about a 15% chance. I, I like the general ramp up of young guys, but there are pieces coming back for that Houston team. And overall the club is kind of a train wreck this year. So I'm going to say relatively
0: low. Yeah, I say relatively low because it's not like he hasn't had chances all season down. Like he's been there all year. Like, Part of what he did yesterday was part of the reason that we, we liked what he did. He hit threes, he got steals, he got blocks, and he actually shot the ball well. But he hasn't done that all season. He did it in one game and it was great. And it's always that interesting thing, Dan, that the last game before the All-Star break, someone turns something on. So they get hyped for the rest of the, rest of the year. you got a week to think about, oh, look at what Jabari Smith did. I'm going to put a little bit of less faith in him. I reckon it's probably a 10% chance that he's top 80. I, I don't think it's crazy because, <laughs> you know, he can do these things, but, you know. My confidence in him is pretty low, and I don't want to put misplaced confidence
1: uh, out there in him. He's or, a tough one, though, and I know you're is. pulling up the next question uh, because you, you kind of have to hold if you've been sitting on him the whole time, uh, yeah. uh, but if you haven't been, then it's probably cool because you don't have to worry about it.
0: Look, I reckon you could have dropped in three months ago, and you'd be feeling yeah. t- totally okay, but if you've gone this far, then what else are you going to do? You can't <laughs> yeah. really do too much more with it from there. All right, here's a good question. Um, Jacob Herbst. Would you take Taylor Horton Tucker over Denny Avdia in a 12-team points league? We don't have to worry necessarily about points. We can
1: just talk about any league in general. Um, Horton Tucker over Avdia. I'm going to go DHT on this one. And some of that has to do with Colin Sexton re-injuring himself in this last ball game. And they sort of have nobody left. So Taylor Horton Tucker is now playing a bunch of point guard for them. Avdia, we haven't seen his minutes solidified when Kuzma's in the lineup. It's kind of bounced around a little bit. Not a massive fan of either of them on the category side, but points league, uh, then, you know, you can overlook THD's issues on both percentages and uh, Aline Horton Tucker and screw it, take a swing. I think so too. Look, if it wasn't for the injury to Sexton, which it's his third hamstring injury for the season, opposite
0: leg, um, I would say that he's almost definitely missing time post-break. There's no way he they're going to rush him back with his third hamstring injury, where they're clearly sort of in more rebuild-type situation, given the trades they make, that Horton Tucker's going to get at least a week, I would guess, as a 30-plus minute-a-night starter. And the, the upside is more there, whereas for Av, Avdia, he needs the injuries to get in that same conversation, as we've seen many times, Dan. Like, if they're healthy, he's going to play 20 minutes, and he's not going to be anywhere close to useful. A couple of guys go down, then sure, we can use uh, Denny, but... If they don't, then he's pretty useless. And I, th- we've seen, I think we've seen enough of that, Dan, to know that that's the way that it runs. Yeah, totally agree. Justin Fong says, what are your thoughts on Chris Middleton moving forward after the All-Star break? He's out today, um, resting his knee. People are up in arms about that. What, what's your thoughts on um, Middleton at the moment?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been maybe the most annoying player to roster in fantasy this year. Or if not the most, then he's got to be in the top five. Um He's tough in head-to-head, but, again, you kind of can't do a whole lot about it. Understand that he's going to miss games. His ramp-up is very slow. I think they'll probably get him, keep him at 25 minutes coming out of the break. You'll see 26, two or three games later. And that's the way it goes for him. They just want him fully ramped by game one of the playoffs. So, yeah, head-to-head, he's going to be kind of difficult to roster, but you sort of have to because no one's going to want to take the plunge on it. Roto Games cap side – Not a huge deal. I mean, again, it's uh, similar to the Jabari Smith situation for very different reasons. If you've made it this far, just keep holding on. Use him into your games cap, because when he plays, he's been pretty good. Uh, But he's going to be a little headache on the head-to-head side, and you kind of just have to hope that his per-game production is okay and and overwhelms the missed games you know he's going to have.
0: Yeah, look, he has been frustrating, but like I said this other day on my show, he's playing 25 minutes, tonight. he's basically doing 95% of what he would do in 32 minutes anyway at the moment. Like, the production, actually, on a per-game basis over the last three weeks has been unbelievably good. Like, it's not like you're going, oh, man, when's he going to get these big minutes because we're not getting good numbers at him. We are getting pretty good numbers at him. Not quite peak, but not too bad. It's just this, Yeah, you know, we, we'd love the extra step on it, and we'd love for him to be able to play through all these games. So that, that's the frustrating thing. Um, Tanari Chapman, should you pick up Kevin Love? Uh, no. Dan, what do you think?
1: Ugh. No, I mean he's first of all he's not even on a team right now. Yeah. So we don't we don't know where he's gonna end up and where he goes. I mean there's a reason he's playing zero minutes for the Cavs right now. He's not like a superstar being buried on a tanking team. He's old. Some team's gonna throw him out there to take a few threes and grab three rebounds and then he's he'll play probably eight minutes of ballgame. So absolutely not. This happens all the time with people with these big name brand values. Kevin
0: Love, Russell Westbrook's another one of those who, you know, might be going to the Clippers. I don't think I, I wouldn't bother adding Russell oh. oh, it's no way I'd bother adding he's a shocking fit on that team anyway. Like I, I don't see why he would play enough minutes. Kevin, look, I guess the thing you look at and go, hey, Miami, there's no power forward of note there. But Kevin Love can't really play thirty minutes a night every night. He might have some moments of usefulness, but I think you just sort of cling to nostalgia, thinking, "Oh, Kevin Love, remember how good he used to be." Whereas he's going to end up as a similar sort of player to the guy that he might replace in Miami and Caleb Martin. Like, I don't think there's much difference um, with those sort of guys in terms of their fantasy, um,
1: in terms of their fantasy output. Twice- can I put my own? Can I put my own mailbag question in right now? Go ahead. Is there any place where you would consider Russ? I feel like Chicago is the yes. only one that's just harebrained enough to work. Washington is the other one that I would consider because, hey,
0: they Monte Morris is, isn't it? Um, and but, they're yeah. that's a, they're such a directionless franchise that they would just say, Russ, just go do whatever you want, and yeah, don't yeah, worry, don't worry about everybody else, and you just, you just do your stuff. So they're. Like you never they're Yep, exactly. Uh, the the the, uh, the Chicago one's interesting because it's like former coach. It's like remember the last time I went to a former coach and yeah. with Scott Brooks in Washington, and the same stuff happened. So, yeah, they're probably the two that I'd look at going. Uh, it's not going to make their team better. Actually, you know what? For Chicago, it might, given how rudderless and directionless <laughs> they know. are, it might make Chicago. them better, which is a, a weird thing. But I don't think um, any other squad. If it's the Clippers, there's just there's just no way. Twaster has a question. He says, considering Jason Kidd is a horrible coach, should we look to trade Wood before he completely falls off? Now, I've got a couple of things to say on this before I get your opinion, Dan. I don't think Jason Kidd's a good coach. I never have. He has improved a lot. But I think this, we need to separate a lot of fantasy stuff. People go, Kidd is so terrible, man. Why won't he play Christian Wood 30 minutes? Uh, because Christian Wood's a terrible defensive player. And yeah. that's why. Like, a kid's is perfect? No, not at all some of your decision-making weird? Should he play JaVale McGee? Probably not. Like a lot of the stuff he does is bad. And I think he's in the bottom 10 of NBA coaches very, very clearly. But let's be clear. The reason he's in the bottom 10 of coaches is not because he's not playing Christian Wood 33 minutes a night and letting him cook for your fantasy team. That's got nothing to do with it. There's a lot of other things. He doesn't know how to call timeouts or call plays or understand how the game works at times, despite being a Hall of Fame point guard. It's got nothing to do with how much he should play Christian Wood. Now, as for Christian Wood, Dan, let's rephrase this question a little bit.
1: Do you see Wood being a 27-minute-plus-a-night player? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, he went on that torrid run when mm. a bunch of guys were out and they badly needed his offense. But I also don't see him being 18 or 19 minutes, which is what we saw for a week when he came back. The The end point is probably somewhere in the middle, not terribly far from what we've seen the last two-ish ballgames, maybe more in the 24, 25-minute range, which still makes him fantasy usable. But uh, I mean, it, I don't feel like you can trade him right now. Can you get I don't feel like you could get value for him after seven or six or whatever it is kind of bad or low minute games. So if you're trying to trade him, you have to wait until he's playing 25 or 26 and hope that that happens for a week. That's the thing, like, hey man, man Christian Wood
0: really sucks at the moment, he's been really bad for two weeks, should I try and trade him away? Like, everyone's going to be feeling the same way as you are. What the, the key is in, in trading and selling high is zigging and zagging. Like, I had a tweet yesterday, and people always push back on this stuff when I say it, like, Malachi Branham was like 7 of eight for 18 points in the first half yesterday, Dan. And I went, you might as well send out sell-high trade offers right now at halftime. He's dominating. People go, rookie, big minutes, everything coming together towards the end of the season. And the response is, no, nah, man, you've got to ride it out. you got to ride it out. I'm telling you, this isn't happening. And if you're feeling that he's going to be really, really good rest of the season, you can, there's going to be somewhere, maybe in 5% of leagues, that you'll sneak something through where the other person gets so caught up in the production of what this person's done at the moment. That's what a sell high is. It's not like, oh, this guy's really struggling and I really hate him and I want to drop him, but maybe I should get um, you know, uh, Andrew Nembhard for him in a trade. Like, that's not what selling high means. It just means taking a hit, taking a risk, but understand that the odds are probably gonna be in your favor that you're gonna win if someone bites on it. Like when I talked about the Cam Thomas sell high and people go, oh, you can never do it. Yeah, but and you look at the Yahoo trades and he was traded for CJ McCollum and Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma straight up. And it's like, okay, they you clearly won those trades if you were able to do yes, that. It, it. <laughs> you can't do it in every spot, but it's always worth looking at it, especially when that we all love that emotional high of man, this guy, this young player is going crazy. Look at these numbers. Oh, he's the next. I saw a San Antonio Spurs people tweet out, man, look at Branham. He's moving like he's Kevin Durant. Like this don't tell me this doesn't look like Durant. Like I calm down. Like just right. like, like calm down a little bit. Before we do that, I, but I people watched get that
1: game. I, I didn't see Kevin Durant in
0: that game last night. <laughs> people get swept swept up in it, and that's when you that's what you try and pounce on those sort of deals. And someone will make a mistake. Like you see that all the time in Twitter threads and Reddit threads. Hey, what was the trade that you regretted making? People will regret those trades because they end up being bad. And you've got to be on the other side to take advantage of those. I hope that makes sense. We'll get to more in a second, but today's episode is brought to you by now, I'm going to get this wrong because I know in America, you guys call this different. We call it Nissan. You call it Nissan. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Aria, yes. It's a new electric car. So we're looking at their player of the week. I don't I'm not going to do player of the week. I'm just going to do player of yesterday because Mikhail Bridges was amazing. 45 points, 71% shooting defensive stats. He really took over for that Brooklyn team, and maybe he's their new number one. It looks like he is. He looked pretty good there. He was absolutely electric. He was fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, and elegantly powerful as well, exactly like the Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. And shout out to Mikhail Bridges. Daniel, let's look back at more questions now. What have we got? Kevin Lee says, is Josh Green a drop?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't have the stones to use him against a games cap on the roto side. Head to head, I'm probably hanging on. To me, he profiles as somebody that falls kind of between like 100 and 130, which is typically in 12-teamers just good enough to be kind of like your 10th or 11th starter on your team. It's it's hard to find a guy who can consistently get minutes and have some responsibility. That's the problem, though. He's not going to have a lot of responsibility when that team's healthy, so you kind of have to hope that he fills in the gaps with some threes, better efficiency than the last couple of ballgames. Uh, so head-to-head, I'm holding. Roto, I'm not. The the minutes is true, but you've also got a great counterexample
0: to his teammate who plays a lot of minutes in Reggie Bullock and is like honestly one of the worst fantasy players that you'll ever see in terms of getting minutes and doing nothing with them. And this is also one of these ones that I'm really diving a lot into like psychology of, of people playing fantasy and the way that we respond to things a lot this season. I think it's really important and also because I'm pretty screwed up in the head. So, you know, it's important to try and figure out what's going on there. But when yeah. we when we look at someone like Josh Green, like the trade went down. Uh, Kyrie Irving trade and Josh Green and w- Luca was out and Josh Green put up big numbers and everyone immediately the trade happened. Man, Josh Green's got to be a must-add player. And I was like, eh, I think he's probably like a 14-team grab and a 12-team maybe. And then th- what happened is that when the big opportunity opened up, he tied that together with like 80% shooting. So everything looked like, see, I told you, he's going to put up these huge numbers. With these guys are out. He's going to have this massive role. They're going to rely upon him. But over this last two weeks, he's not a top 130 player. He's not a top 150 player over the last week. Like what? And he's playing 37 minutes a night. Is he a drop? I guess. Like fine, you can. You don't have to. He can have better games. He can have bad games. It's just that relying upon Josh Green with 13% usage to be a 44% three-point shooter and, you know, and score eight points a game. I don't think it's a, a situation where you absolutely have to have him. And he's going to blow up. Like there'll be good games. There'll be bad games. But all in all, like not he doesn't he doesn't turn into a completely different player because um, someone else has traded. Just the minutes pushed up. There you go who is better based says Mark Williams or PJ Washington which is interesting because on the surface i go well i want Mark Williams but i know PJ Washington's been on fire
1: lately that is a really good question um Mark Williams has this magic of the unknown right now no one really knows how good he can be but at the end of the day he's a rookie so there are going to be bumps and bruises along the way uh and PJ Washington has a couple years under his belt he's been Pretty consistently better, and frankly, the the move, I think, off of Plumley probably helps him a little bit. Uh, also, having some guys out helps. Rozier was out. Uh, ubre has been out for a month and a half, and PJ's a guy who's going to rely a bit more on usage, shots, things of that nature to kind of float his value. That's a lot of talking, Dan. Shut up and pick a side. Um, I'm going to go Mark Williams. I'll go with the unknown. I We don't know how high he can go. We kind of do know how high PJ can go. I like them both, though. I mean, these are two 12 teamers. So I guess if you're like making a 10 team decision or an eight team decision, I'm going to go Mark Williams by a hair. But that's just because I want a bunch of blocks and I like big man stats.
0: Yeah. Washington's a little bit inconsistent with his shooting as well. I, I would take Mark Williams too, but it is relatively close. We've got some big news, Dan, that the Jazz are waving a guard. Uh, Leandro Balmaro is being waved. So there you go. So <laughs> even fewer
1: guards for the Jazz now.
0: <laughs> Leandro Balmaro. Two left. All right, this is a. I'm trying to like not dispel stuff here because that's not what we're about, but just try and get through some stuff because people do overreact a lot. Timmy T. Hill says, How on earth will Duran survive in a twisted three centre Dwayne Casey rotation? I guess, Timmy, by three centres, you mean the two centres that they're playing? Because people look at Isaiah Stewart and go, Oh, well, he's centre eligible. He hasn't played a single second of centre for weeks. Like, he, well, not weeks. Like, he, he. That's not true. He won't play centre, right? They don't have any power forts. He won't play centre. Um, I, maybe you're assuming that Marvin Bagley comes back in and people think, well, they're going to run three centers and Duran will play 20 minutes. I think there is no way that Bagley, Wiseman, and Duran all play at center together. And it's like a 21 minute night situation. What do you make? I know what I make of the Duran situation from yesterday. What do you make of it from yesterday?
1: I mean, I'm a little worried because if anybody could screw it up, it would be the Detroit tank, but there's no chance that I'm getting off of Jalen Duran. He's been a Goliath when he's seen minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working on a little bit of a hobbled ankle right now as well. You've seen him uh, last couple of ball games. He keeps tweaking it over and over again. All star break is coming at a good time for the young fella. Don't panic. James Wiseman is, and I say this with a- as much affection as I can. Not particularly good at basketball, uh, so they're going to want to develop their young guy again. There's the that's like the one spot that could really screw it up, but I'm not going to bank on that. I, I I'm holding Durin and pretty tight.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not dropping him. What Casey literally said this yesterday as well. He said, "No, look, Jalen retweaked his ankle early, so we played James more than what we would have liked to because we were worried about his ankle and he was hobbling around. It's the second sprained ankle he had in the last two games, so that's why we got 24 and a half versus 23 and a half minutes." Wiseman is an interesting fantasy guy in the fact that he's like what he does was it's Marvin Bagley. Like He had points, he had rebounds, yeah. he had bad free throws, he had zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero threes. He is a better shot blocker. He can be useful. I, as I've told everyone, I've added him in a 14-team league, but I'm not looking at them going, it's going to be a 24-24 minute split. There was a clear reason yesterday. It was an ankle injury. I am not concerned in the slightest about Isaiah Stewart taking minutes away. I'm not concerned about Marvin Bagley taking minutes away. i, I You'd have to be pretty stupid as, as that... and I, and you're right, they are stupid. But you'd have to be pretty stupid to go, well, Jalen Duren's dominating. Let's um, bench him in favor of two guys who have proven so far in their career to be bad, where Jalen Duran hasn't proven that at all. And it's not like Duren's winning them games. Like, it's not about tanking. He is not winning them games. So it's not about like, oh, we need to play these worst players to make sure we lose. I have thoughts on this next question, which is interesting. Dylan says, what are your thoughts on Derek White's role when the Celtics are back to full
1: strength? Yeah, I mean, we saw what that was for the you know, big chunk of the season so far. And he was right on the edge of value for 12 teamers. I have no reason to believe he won't go right back to that. Uh, He's had some guys out and he's stepped into a really nice role while they've been out. Uh, But he profiles as kind of right on the borderline when they're back to full strength. So I don't, I don't know. I don't see any reason why that would change. Do you? Yeah. Let me, let me give you
0: my thoughts on this. Um, A couple of things. We have seen them together. With their starting lineup intact, I think for, with no restrictions, for one game, right? We, we saw them together for one game with that starting lineup intact. And in that one game, Derek White played 16 minutes coming off the bench. Tatum played 44, Brown 38, Smart 34, Horford 34. Um, Rob Williams even played 25 in that game. And we had 12 minutes for Grant Williams and 16 for Derek White coming off the bench, right? That was the only time that they've been healthy with that full starting five from last season. In other games, it was Jalen was out or Tatum was out, and we've seen it once like that, right? So that makes me very, very scared that he lost out. Now, in that game, Brogdon did play 32 off the bench, so they could see seven taken away from him, and they could both play 24, which is probably not enough to be a must-roster 12-10 league guy, but the situation that happened yesterday with Rob Williams coming off, or not yesterday, two days ago, coming off the bench and playing 13 minutes was staggeringly stupid, um, confusing, uh, disrespectful. Not not to me, not to us, I don't care, but the way that Germans will handled that press conference. But I think, is there a chance that they are thinking, oh, we, we like what um, Derek White's doing here. Maybe we go back to a lineup that doesn't include two centers and... We play white and smart together as the permanent starters, and we're just sort of getting ready for that. And Robin and Al will not really play much together. This is not the same coach as last season. We have to remember that as well. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. what's going to happen. But before, I would have said, look, he's, he's going to drop way off. But now, after whatever that was that
1: happened on Tuesday, I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I mean, there's sort of no reason to move off of him presently yeah. uh because he's been really really good lately and i don't know i just feel like we're getting a little bit of a ahead of ourselves i so fringy is fine like if that's the end mm. point here and if there's a little bit of upside cool uh he's always had an interesting fantasy stat set as a guard who blocks that's that's fun um but yeah i mean i don't I feel like we're getting weeks ahead. They're going to be resting guys anyway because they're up at the top and they want to make sure that they're healthy for the playoffs. So there's going to be these days where he'll level off to have better games. There'll be slower ones like you talked about where Brogdon sees the bigger bump. Uh, yeah, nothing to do with him right now though. No, no, I agree. And we are going to get to
0: more questions in just a second. But today's episode is also brought to you by the legends over at Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want something that's laden with calories... Why do you get a built Bar? They're high in protein, 17 grams of protein. But like candy bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. So, you know, they're going to taste really good. But luckily for them, they're not full of calories. They're not full of fat. They're not full of sugar. They're low in all of those things, but high in that delicious protein. And previously, you had to go and had to be some sort of computer legend to go to Bilt.com and order things and, you know, be an absolute boffin. But now you can just waltz straight into a Walmart Ask the people at the front door, the greeters, I think they're called, hey, where's your pharmacy section? Send me down there. I've got built bars to get. And they go, Yeah, you look like you want built bars because you're absolutely jacked and you're really, yeah, unbelievably sexy. And only those people get built bars. So you go down there, you get the built bars off the shelf, they got coconut puff flavour, there's cookies and cream, there's double chocolate, they've got the four bar boxes, you go out, trolley full, done. And then on the way out, you go, you know what, this is a Sam's Club nearby. I'm gonna go there because they've got different flavors and they've got 13 bar boxes. They've got the churro flavour, they've got the brownie batter flavour as well. So go to built.com. That's easy. We can get our Built Bars from there. But you can also just get them straight out of a Walmart, straight out of a Sam's Club as well. You can even eat them in the car on the way home. What a double bonus that is. So go to built.com, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club. Built Bar is built different. All right. Next question. Um. I, I, don't, like, I don't like rank questions in general, but I think this is important to note. Like Stephen says, please rank. Kyle Anderson, Precious Achua, and Gabe Vincent in nine category. And it's, it's important for a couple of reasons. Precious Achua doesn't belong anywhere near those players. He's miles, miles away from those guys. People seem to think he's a good fantasy player. He's not. I got fooled for like a three-game period where he was playing well. And now he's going to have a very, very limited role, I'm guessing, or a much more limited role moving forward. He's nowhere near those guys. But the larger part, I think that, and that's my ranking. Those other two, and then Precious well behind them. I think both Kyle Anderson and Gabe Vincent are 12-10 league players. But I think it's more the point here, Dan, when we're talking ranking players in, in fantasy or in category leagues, is that the answer is it matters heaps, but it also doesn't matter because Kyle Anderson and Gabe Vincent are very different players. So you might add Kyle Anderson to your team and it might be just huge for you. Like it's massive. You don't care about the points. You love what he brings in the defensive stats. He's a pretty strong rebounder. I might be like, hey, I need some points, but I can afford to deal with bad field goal percentage. Um, I can afford to take a risk that Lara is going to be out. So Gabe Vincent makes more sense for my team. So a ranking to you versus a ranking to me is not even remotely the same thing. And we need Yeah, to get especially this, this time of year. Yeah, Sorry, we, I didn't mean to jump in. No, that's right. We need to get this idea out of our head that everything is static and it's like this guy is better than this guy and is better than this guy. It's not how it works. It's not how category leagues work at all. And if you have that mindset, then you're going to be a much better player in terms of evaluating your ads and evaluating your trade. So me, it's like me telling you this guy is better than this guy outside of if it's obvious like Precious Chua is miles behind. But even in a situation where like, hey, I need some rebounds and blocks, Precious might be better than some of these guys. Depending on how your team, he probably isn't because I think he's going to play 25 minutes a night. But it's all about how your team looks and value can be 40, 50 rank spots apart. And in the end, that rank doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I got a question like this on my own show earlier this morning, which was like, Hey, is there any problem? Would you have a problem with me trading a top 20 guy for a top 50 guy? And I was like, Well, I mean, In a perfect world, you could probably get a guy that fits your team better than the guy you're trading down to. Like, maybe there's a decent fit that's ranked near 35 or 40. But ultimately, especially at this time of year, it's about ROI on stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Which guy fits your team better? Are you in head-to-head? And like you said, you're punting points. You love rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, percentages. I mean, slow-mo is a brilliant fit for a team like that. You lean into those strengths and he solidifies your team in in a number of ways where Gabe Vincent scoring and hitting some threes maybe has no impact on your team at all. And at the end of two weeks, Vincent might be ranked 15 slots higher. But who cares? It doesn't matter. At the beginning of the season when you don't really know what your team is, I think the rank probably has a little bit more weight. You want those guys that are near the top. You can get more for them back if you're making a trade partway down the line to solidify certain categories in your team, say if, like a Gabe Vincent, uh, say he was a a full-season value as opposed to what's been more of a fill-in guy lately, uh, you can get more with those higher-ranked guys, but we're in February now. Uh, At this point, you know what your team is, you know what your team needs, make the call based on that. Uh, So I'm very much with you, and I had my own rant in the chamber, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, it's just... We we reference ranks on our shows all the time, Dan, because it's just it's something that's there that everyone sees. But I think it's always important occasionally to just mention, hey, that's not as important as you think it is. Like your own team is way more like you you know your own team, you know how it looks, you know what makes sense on your team versus oh, but what if I lose out on ranks, that's why we went like. I've seen this website with this trade analyzer that analyzes whether a trade is fair in fantasy. Stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. But also, like, oh, my commission's got to look at this and see whether it's fair and their rankings got to be within 10 spots. Oh. Absolute bullshit, absolute garbage. And tell your commission to talk to me about it, and I'll tell him he's a dickhead to his face because that's just not a system that should work. Like, it's just, it's not how stuff works in fantasy in category leagues. Okay. Um, how low is the bar set for cat returning after so long? Is he worth keeping for playoffs of seeing in first place? A lot of people are asking about Carl Anthony towns here. We're looking at a return at some point, um, towards the back end of March. It looks like for Carl Anthony towns, what's your overall, you know, he's going to be limited obviously when he returns down, but what's your overall advice for someone who has Carl Anthony towns at the moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, most people are playing head to head and hoping he's back for their playoffs. I don't know that he will be. I, I, it's It's a really hard question because if you're sitting on him and you're falling in the standings, you probably have to let go. I mean, you like you can't take zeros if you're fighting for a spot, but Ari is sitting in first place here, so you have the luxury of being able to squat on him a little bit longer. Maybe he pops up by March 10th. I don't know. I doubt it, but maybe. Uh, and even a partially ramped up cat would be worth having on a on a playoff team. I personally don't think he's back early enough to factor into most fantasy playoffs. This is luckily a much easier easier question to answer on the Roto side, because you can just stash them and hope that they make it back at some point. But head to head, I think you should be preparing to not have him for your playoffs. And if you have to make the move, you have to make the move. Yep, that's exactly right. Like we don't, it's like the same with Zion. I expect them back around the
0: same similar time. And it's probably going to be yeah. right smack bang in the middle of your playoffs. And again, if you don't have anyone in the injured slot, then what's the harm? Just He stays there. If you don't need to make a decision on it now and you, you're you cruising into the playoffs, don't make a decision on it now because you might be like, well, I've got three injured players, but I'm sitting in first. Yeah, by the time you get to the first week of the playoffs, you might have zero injured players and then you actually don't, it doesn't matter that he's sitting there. A lot of people try to make these moves three weeks in advance. They go, what, what, who do I drop when Cat comes back? I don't know. Wait and see what happens. I'm pretty sure someone will get hurt in that time. You can just do a straight swap out of there. Like, stop trying to overthink. Like, planning is good, but overthinking gets you tied into too many knots. Um, um, yeah. In terms of your, your decision making and getting a little bit confused with with how you you need to do that. Um, okay. Yeah, the cat hmm. the cat the cat I tell what this brings me to another rant. Down. I talked about it yesterday. Is that we're in a weird spot as analysts where we have to sort of believe what... Like we saw Carl Anthony Towns go down and went, oh no, that's four months. That's season ending perhaps, right? That's what we saw. We go, this doesn't look bad. This doesn't look good. Expect him to be out for a massive amount of time. Could be season ending. And the report comes out, oh yeah, six weeks. Okay, that's bullshit, but what am I going to say? Like, that's what they said. I go, they said six to to eight weeks or four to six weeks. And I said, put at least two to three on the end of it. And it turns out that what we saw was what we believed, right? It, it, It was what happened. But you can't go in there and say... Guys, he's gonna be our four months. Don't worry that they said six weeks. He's gonna be our four months. Because when they come when he comes back in six weeks, then people are gonna to say to us, They clearly told you this and you just said that they were lying. Much like Darwin Ham yesterday. Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell are gonna to start together for the foreseeable future. All right. It makes no sense, but he literally flat out directly told us that. And then literally the next game did the opposite of that, which makes complete sense from a basketball perspective. But if we have come out and said, guys, don't worry, drop Dennis Schroeder. Don't worry that Ham said they're going to play 30 minutes a night starting next to each other. That's that's a lie. I'm sure it's going to play 18. You're very fine to drop. And then he comes out the next day and has 20 points in 35 minutes. We ignored something that someone said. It's very hard to deal with in this situation when we know what we're seeing. We know what makes sense. But when someone comes out and d- directly tells
1: us the exact opposite, you've got no choice but to really follow it, do you? No, you really you have to because the the upside or the I guess the downside of fighting against it and then getting it wrong is so much worse. they're like, why didn't you believe him? He Mm. said it. You idiot. You should have just believed him. Mm. I mean, we can casually suggest like, well, you know, maybe this isn't the case long term, like with the Lakers stuff. Hey, like. At some point, they're gonna realize that that's an idiotic starting lineup, and you have these guys that can do like basketball things on both ends of the floor. That's helpful, also, and maybe not foreseeable future, maybe like very near future. But we can't outright say it because if we got that wrong, then we'd be the biggest dunce in town, and Dude. that's just like you can't wear that hat. It's the downside is way too large, so you believe them at face value. You hope that they're not telling the truth, but that's kind of the best you can do. It's
0: it's a really hard spot for, for us, for fantasy managers as well, when you hear this information that contradicts what you see with your own eyes, and then with that information, your eyes ended up being correct. It's like, it's pretty frustrating. Last question before I let you go. Um, Brett Hull says,
1: not the Brett Hull, I'm guessing, should we worry about Nick Claxton? No, I'm not worried about Nick Claxton. I, I think I may have even seen a report that they were kind of dialing him back a little uh, bit, but... Were, yeah. he, Okay, so um, that, that I did see that. I, I don't know. My brain turns to mush at times. I've been on a lot of Benadryl. It's allergy season. Who knows what's going in and out of my head? Uh, no, don't worry about Claxton. He's been awesome. Uh, he's critical for what they're doing, and their other options to play center are Sharp and Ben Simmons. Yeah. I think Nick will be fine. Yeah, I think it will be fine as well. They literally said, hey, the guy's played
0: more minutes this season than he has in all of his other seasons combined. He's tired. He needs the break. He'll be, I think Jacques Vaughan actually said he'll be a double double machine after the All Star break, which we'll see. But yeah, I don't think we need to be too worried about it. It might be a good opportunity to buy low if someone didn't see that information about Nick Claxton. Daniel, that'll do it for us today on this mailbag show. So I uh, implore you to tell everyone where they can find you and what you've got uh, cooking.
1: Well, uh, Twitter, I do way, way, spend way too much time on social media. I'm fully guilty of that. Uh, but there's things that happen in the NBA all the time. And if you take your eye off of it, the whole damn league passes you by in like 35 minutes. It's really kind of cool, but also extremely frustrating. So find me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. I hope folks will uh, hang out with me on podcasts and whatever other dumb stuff I'm doing.
0: Go and follow Dan, go listen to his show, go interact with him on Twitter. It's always great to have him on the show. Dan, thank you once again for coming on.
1: Thanks Josh, good to talk to you. I'm I'm glad I finally got some coverage on a Thursday.
0: (laughs) Guys, follow this podcast, but also if you're on YouTube, subscribe. I'm so close to 60K. I want to hit it before the All-Star break. I've got like a day. Let's get to 60K today, but follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. But if you're on YouTube, please thumb it up. Leave those comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.